Hello and welcome everyone to GCAP Recap 3. Ding ding. I'm ding. here with Alex this time. We are live from the conference floor. We've found a little nook here to record uh, this recap. Uh, Alex, how'd you find day three? It was good. I am very wrecked, but uh, it kind of... Day three for me was all about kind of like uh, reinforcing a lot of what I already knew from being in a studio for years. Um, as I said, day one was real hype building. Day two was like crashed back to reality of where in an industry that, you know, is... Has, uh, huh? has its uh, challenges. Has its challenges, let's put it that way. Um, and day three was a bit more, a bit more hopeful, let's say. Um, more just, yeah, for me, it was just all about reinforcing things that I already had known, picked up a new little cool things on the way, but things let me know as a developer, I'm kind of on the right path. Mm -hmm. How about you, Costa? Yeah, it was good. It was uh, a lot more, I think today was very, it was a good blend of like practical things at the talks and then also, um, Kind of motivational as well i think um but yeah i spent a lot of time going to like different different ones that i wouldn't usually go to artists uh like a lot of art things that was good uh yeah sean was saying before that he didn't realize like what a wide range of uh uh different parts of the game development pipeline you're interested in at mm. the moment because mm. he knew you as a ui ux guy and now he's he's like oh he's going to Writing is looking at writing and art. And well, isn't that it's what it is when you're when you're trying to do an indie thing. You have to almost know a little bit about everything just to be able to do enough mm. um, to get something off the ground. Yeah. So yeah, the first the first chat uh, the first well, we went to a couple of talks. We'll kind of summarize key takeaways from the different talks. The mm. first talk was game production for indie teams by Ruben Morehouse of uh, Noble Steed, who uh, used to be uh, well, Moss No Moss. Uh, they, they used to be they just rebranded so uh, you might okay. know them as like I was no moss something or other so that myself and yourself went to this one uh, what were your key takeaways from it yeah so even if you're a one person band making this your indie game it was still a, a very good talk because it was basically summarizing what a producer should be doing and what you can well basically what you can do in the interim until you find a producer um, and producers are something that you and I, Costa, have um, experiences with um, not doing the role, but oh well, maybe New York is doing the role. Um, but you know, having them and getting a actually a good producer is very tricky. Like a lot of people can say they are a producer, but to mm. actually get a good one, um, you know, we've talked to Serica about this. Um, there's more to it than timesheets. Yeah. And uh, spreadsheets is all about, you know, the psychological effects on the team and things but like that. I think one of the cool things was really the takeaway that, like, just because you hear you should do lean, the lean methodology of, of, uh, of things, which is like a sprint, you know, planning, sprint retro, uh, stand-ups, it, it's, it, it's taking the approach of when problems arise, using those solutions as solutions to the problem. So it's not a matter of, I've got six different things I can do or tools that I can use. I should, we should use all of them straight off the bat because you will end up adding overhead to an already slim, uh, slim team, which is sharing responsibilities anyway. So I think 
uh, Ruben was saying that like this is applicable to people under a certain amount of team sizes, but ideally you want to be able to get a producer. So he went through a couple of different things around like uh, what is production um, and key takeaway being, you know, listening for red flags. Like a lot of a, a role of a producer is listening for red flags. Um, and again, focusing on the problems and not the solutions. So he mm. goes through a bunch of different things in, in Lean, uh, which is, you know, st- uh, sprint planning, sprint retro, stand-ups. Uh, milestones. Milestones. And, you know, a lot of this planning stuff. So uh, again, a key takeaway for that would be just listen for problems and then apply uh, solutions to those problems and just c- keep listening on, on an ongoing basis. Yeah, and as I said before, a lot of this can be done even, you know, you can retrofit this to be if you're only one person, like check in with yourself, check in with your own milestones, spend that time a week because if you won't, even if you don't have anyone else in the team, you don't probably don't feel a sense of responsibility to yourself. Um, but having worked in a team like um, studio situation, it's easy to apply this to yourself um just you know keep those that structure in place yeah the second chat went to this was the one that i went to called understanding your players better through user research even on an indie uh, budget by dr megan uh, pusey i think i said that correctly um so this one was uh from megan who uh has just recently graduated from a uh uh, has done a, has actually got a PhD, I think, in research, uh, in I think maybe user research and, and that kind of stuff, um, from a university, and now works at IBM as a UX researcher specifically. So she went through um, a lot of the different processes of uh, what it is to to conduct research through the dev cycle and across the dev cycle. Went through a bunch of like methodologies and tool sets that you can use uh, as a researcher to validate do some research and all that kind of stuff um, when you're developing a video game Um, so it was pretty interesting some of the key takeaways was just like having a framework of uh, how to how to frame a research problem so having some like one of the cool ones was I believe players will do X because X and will recognize it by X so cool like frame set and tool set for someone who hasn't been in research before and wants to get in and a very cool breakdown hopefully you can find it online but a breakdown of what the different disciplines are within research like a ui designer a ux designer ux researcher you know where do they do their their role and where it where it exists across the uh, development life cycle of you know really early research to a finished product and the types of activities that they do that was really cool like for some, especially for people in the room that had no idea of what uh, UX is um, to see uh, I can fit there and I would enjoy doing this sort of stuff I'd enjoy doing that sort of stuff and yeah really really cool uh, the next one was from Maths to Nodes by mm. Dan Elliott and Alex you went to that one yeah that was Dan Elliott from Epic Games um, my takeaway from this this sounds like a joke um, but it's actually uh, serious is uh, I'm not cut out to be a technical artist. I can do I could do superficial technical art, let's say, which is what you know, Unreal empowers you to do, but with nodes and stuff like that. But to actually understand the core concepts, so this talk is all about you know how maths um, uh, um, you know you create like he was using waves in water. Um, the maths behind it, um, and uh, you know, cosine and sine waves, um, and all these 
basically these algorithms to break your technical art down in. Um, and I'd seen this before, you know, working with um, George and Melonhead, who's, you know, very good at maths and enjoys maths. I don't enjoy maths at all. Um, so this is a very good, if you're very programmer heavy, uh, you're very interested in how, it's also, sorry, actually showing, um, you know, how to scatter textures organically, basically, um, randomizing the placement. So it's not tiling textures of like leaves on the ground, um, like, and being able to zoom out and see a pattern, like offsetting it based off of like tiling a texture instead of like a one by one, you've got a four by four and putting in random values based off of the value next to it. Um, what was your kind of key takeaway? What you would, my what key you want to implement from that? Or uh, My key takeaway is I can't do it at all. <laughs> okay. I legitimately can't. It was a very interesting talk. Um, very good. Um, but I don't have the brain to do that. Uh, I'm too visual. I can't work with mm. numbers and maths. Well, that that kind of goes into the next topic, which was all around blueprinting in Unreal. And it was a newcomer's guide to adding interactivity for artists and designers by Chris Murphy. Mm. Um, this one was a cool one. I like this one because it went through what blueprints are and how they can be uh, applied to different things in an environment in Unreal. So uh, adding adding interactivity to a light source in a scene, how you can have a trigger point and how that looks from a blueprint perspective to be able to trigger that, uh, that light source to turn on and off when a player goes over it so like lo little bits of logic that can add so much more to the environment mm. uh, even something uh, as as complicated as a as kind of like a trampoline is something that Chris went through and how the logic of that exists for uh, like a jump pad a like a jump pad sorry mm. um, to basically propel the player up and ar around and the a key takeaway from that from for myself was just how easy blueprinting is once you kind of mm. get to know it and uh, it was it was interesting to see the different like every time Chris runs through it he just does all these hotkeys mm. and like he went through a lot of like he kind of commented on what those hotkeys are and how they work and it seems to me like it's pretty intuitive to uh, to find things in blueprint even if you don't know everything you can tell that the production team behind Unreal Engine is incredibly modular like as in one team or person might be working on like displaying nodes. The mm. fact that they have hotkeys, you press you know, Q to straighten your nodes or something like that. Um, double clicking to add, um, you know, um, I forgot what they call them, but little dots along the, the yeah. spaghetti yep. so you can organize it. Like if you're a, a smaller team who you're just trying to build an engine, you're like, I don't give a shit about your organization problems. Like this yeah. is what you've got the fact that they have those means they iterate they iterate they iterate it seems like they've got a lot of designers they on the team like UX UI designers working on the tool itself which yeah. is cool and they know their market which is not heavy program like it can Designs, be yeah, but it's right. designers artists um, another good thing about those talks and they're always same as those kind of Chris Murphy talks is like I've been using Unreal Engine for maybe six years now um, and this is aimed at beginners I still went along to this and there's still so much you can just to learn things. As I said, you know, cue to straighten nodes, which I'm not ashamed to say I didn't know. Um, you know, that you can save colors in a, a library of colors in a color palette. And you can, um, the last one was you can do math equations inside your uh, XYZ <laughs> fields. Um, you know, divide by two to get an exact value. You don't have to get, the amount of times I have to get a calculator mm. on the other screen to do that stuff. Yeah, very good.
The functions was cool as well, how you can kind of create functions from in blueprints and right click across a bunch of nodes and go collapse this into a function mm. or collapse this into a something else. That was really cool, just understanding the structure of how blueprints work. Yeah. It was interesting. It's almost like this event was sponsored by Epic Games. Yeah, <laughs> some may say. <laughs> um, the last one that we went to was Strapped for Cash, Not Star, which we literally just came out of. Uh, called uh, yeah, building a strong art direction with a tiny team, and this was Syrian Quilam. I've probably butchered that, and Callum Williams from Samurai Punk, who worked on uh, Roomba. I can't remember what the title is, but it's the sequel to Roomba. Justice sucks. Justice sucks. That's it. Uh, and yeah, what were your key takeaways from that one? Yeah, very good. Um, another, that was one that uh, similar to the Unreal one. Of for me, it was a lot of stuff I already knew, but it was still little things I you pick up from another team uh, doing it um, so you know it was all about uh, if you're a one two like four or five person team um, you don't have a lot of money uh, how to you create a art style basically um, how to leverage things like asset packs uh, plugins um, scripts for Maya um, to speed up your workflow so basically what they're saying is if you don't have a lot of um, money then you need to work to your strengths you need to cut you, the trim the fat from your production um, process yeah your process and um, uh, yeah basically be, figure out all your problems that you can at the start um, you know by doing different art tests um, breaking down your art pipeline um, it's all, it all like scalability and, yeah. and process really like how can you th- kind of analyze your process and think, okay, what's the, what's the great, or well, estimate how long something might take, mm. and then from there go, okay, uh, is that the right approach? Can we use a tool or a plugin to speed up that process? Or uh, is there another approach that we can take to reduce that? So there's some examples in there around like broken states for models in the mm. environment, like having to model a pipe and then a pipe that's broken. And that across 200 assets uh, creates a huge um, amount of work and overhead whereas the solution that they were talking about was just applying a new texture to the pipe that Mm. shows and indicates that it's broken to the user and that would have saved them so much time and effort and even going down to optimizing the experience of I think it was applying textures or materials to the models in something like Maya Mm. and how you can write a script that can cut down the amount of clicks from 12, six, clicks, to, 12 clicks to 6 clicks and then to 2 clicks then to two, just, just the drag, drag and drop dropping. which is crazy which like, is something he built himself which you wouldn't think uh, would, uh, would speed up time but then when you, when you multiply that function by uh, 200, 300 assets and then future games that you're working mm. on you're, it's almost like these little steps you take now uh, they might not take a lot of time for you to develop, but end up saving you so much time in the future. Yeah, and it all depends on your workflow. Um, because when I saw him do that, applying the textures inside of Maya, um, I was a bit, uh, not appreh- well, apprehensive, basically. I was like, why would you do that? Like, you're going to be importing it into an engine, import it there. Um, but, you know, being able to put it into Maya, you can see how it looks. And it, basically, he's using, they're using a lot of lookup tables, which is saying you're using one texture across the asset and you're referencing it in different spots. So for them, yeah. it's important to be using the texture inside of Maya. 
in so, our game we yeah. worked on, it wasn't important. So optimizing, that's the thing, optimizing both the, the like performance of the uh, in, the objects in the environment or the, the models, mm. but also optimizing the process, so both of them. Because using texture maps to reduce the amount of overhead and that kind of stuff in mm. the game, but it also, from an artistic direction, helped them to define a color palette mm. um, that was specific to a level, and then also, uh, if they ever needed to modify, they just modify the one color palette, mm. and then it propagates across the entire um, uh, the entire environment, which saves again. It's like two, it's it's a it's an awesome double thing where it's process and uh, performance. Mm. And it's it's something there's there's a lot of talks on from different companies. Like uh, Sunset Overdrive had an amazing one that's similar to that, um, but they use trim sheets. That's something we experimented with once. Uh, this thing called the Ultimate Trim Sheet. I'm pretty sure. Very similar thing about you know beveling, making corners look beveled when you can't afford it. Um, yeah, all in the name of efficiency and speeding up your pipeline. So very good mm. for that. So this is our last day at so, GCAP. Yeah, we are getting on a plane in a couple hours. So uh, I thought this was just awesome. My first GCAP, yeah. and learned so much. Yeah, I think I'm going to go back now and <laughs> just jump into uh, making more and. Uh, creating more I think like I've learned so much from across disciplines that I would never have been exposed to yeah absolutely usually just in UX UI and now I'm le- I learned about uh, bl- blueprinting you know uh, applying materials and textures and just overall speeding up uh, your production and your process across mm. the board which is crazy wouldn't, wouldn't have learned that what's the talk you'd want to see next year uh, I like we were joking yesterday about the Paris saying no which would be a good one but like <laughs> I think it would be cool to see some around a one-person team. Mm. So someone that's gone through and done like maybe a vertical slice. Yeah. Like what's the approach to, to a vertical slice as a one-person team? Like because that's something that's you know something that I want to do or I'm in the process of doing at the moment. So I wouldn't mind seeing other people's approaches to that. Mm. Um, you know, we saw something around it yesterday, a little bit around uh, doing it. Uh, doing game development as a, as a hobby mm. and I think that kind of touched on it but it would be cool to kind of see an end-to-end process and just the prototyping process I think and uh, receiving user feedback and, and that, that end-to-end would be awesome absolutely I'd like um, I'd want to see I know they've done these before I'm pretty sure but um, definitely one about portfolio presentation um, you know uh, GCAP this time around ran individual meetings um, so you could you know, meet up with anyone you wanted to, um, any of the presenters and things like that. So I had a few people look at my, my uh, ragtag portfolios that were all over the place, knowing that mine weren't all together and got correctly dragged. Um, some of it was good, um, but basically I need to, you said you're going to go home and get excited and work and stuff. I'm going to get home and I'm excited to redo my portfolio. Mm. Um, yeah, and a side note, better titled uh, presentations. Um, GCAP's always kind of been good for that, but I was joking before, game dev presentations. Um, uh, I, think it's, I think it's just t- it's also just tough to know what, what it's about, right? Like, sometimes it's, it's titled in a way, and then you got to click in and be like, oh, that's about audio. Yeah, <laughs> Or that's yeah, about yeah. this, you know? Yeah, and, and yeah, some of those suffered that this time around as well. you got to click into it. But what I was referring to was like, you know, they usually, they'll be like, your game sucks. Here's why. Yeah. And like their message, ultimately, they're, they're, the speaker is a very nice person. Um, 
maybe there's some confidence issues that makes them want to be on the back foot and make you angry. But to me, I'm like, don't do that. It's a cl clickbait title. It's a click. It is a clickbait title. <laughs> and it's successful. But yeah, some more positive ones. We already get shit on enough. <laughs> let's let's have some. Let's not cannibalize each other. That's right. That's right. Well, Alright, and also don't, uh, our mood, it's very somber, uh, as in like we're just tired, um, but the air, the, uh, what do you call it, the mood in the air is that everyone is tired, like even the speakers in the last few presentations were like, alright, we're done, Yeah, let's get the hell out of yeah. here. I it's, think it'll be the next few days where everyone goes home and goes, cool, I've, uh, let me digest what I just heard and what I experienced and the people I spoke to and then let's like go from here. Some and then some are going to PAX. Yeah, that's right, people are going to PAX. Fortunately, we couldn't go this year, but all the actors next year, yeah, we will we'll be there. That's right. Um, big thank you to um, Igea, Igea, Raylene specifically, and Raylene, or Carrie, all of them really. Yeah, uh, for yeah, helping us and come down here. Yeah, um, come up here, come down. Come, nah, Melbourne's down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 come down here. Come down here. Yeah, no, it, thank you very much. It's been it's been great. Um, and oh, and Sav. Thank you, Sav. And the team and the cooks and the cleaners and... Everyone. Everyone. The people cosplaying as uh, Overcooked, <laughs> I was saying before. The chefs around here are walking around with big hats. And we were like, oh, look, Overcooked cosplayers. Yeah, yeah who did your costume? <laughs> See if we could piss them off. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, everybody. See ya.